The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening, after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let us go to the nearby villages, that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. There are some subjects that have been the fodder for jokes for centuries. For example, 200 years ago, Voltaire wrote, Behind every successful man, there stands a surprised mother-in-law. <laughs> and today we have a mother-in-law in the gospel. But her predicament is no laughing matter. You may not see it right away, but she has a really desperate life. Families basically were centered around dad. And when a father had sons, the sons lived right next to their father. They were basically lean-tos. Whenever a son got married, another portion of the house was built to supply that part of the family with lodging. So it was dad and his sons and the sons' wives all together. Now when dad died, the mother of the house lost status she was no longer the queen bee, but she would live with one of her sons, her eldest son. And if her eldest son died, she would live with the second eldest son. And if he died, the third eldest son, and so on and so forth, until all the sons died. If that were the case, then at that point she had no place in the family anymore, and so she would return to her own family of origin and live with one of her brothers. Now here we have a mother-in-law who's living with Peter, her son-in-law which means she has no husband, she has no sons to live with, and for some reason, she's not living with one of her brothers. Maybe she has no brother, maybe she was an only child. But she is a very peculiar kind of widow because she has no status, there is no one to take her in, and yet Peter does. He must be a good guy, even before he met Jesus, that he took his mother-in-law in because he has no responsibility, no duty to do so. We hear about orphans and widows in the gospel, and they are women just like these who have no man to protect them in a society that's centered around male power. Now, I know sometimes people will say, these are male chauvinist pigs because as soon as the woman is healed, she is expected to serve them. But what you don't see is that she is relieved. She is happy to serve them. 
because it gives her once again status. It's a society where there are no microwaves, no instant coffee, no instant nothing. Everything takes a long time to do. Everything requires labor-intensive work. She, who has no status because she has no husband, no sons, no brothers, living with her son-in-law, gets sick. Now she can't produce anything. She's just a consumer. She is a burden. But finally, because she is healed by Jesus, she can once again do something. And so the man that healed her is the very first that she serves. She serves Jesus who served her. And that is an important message in Mark's gospel. Right here at the beginning of the gospel, we hear that discipleship is service. It's not just sentiment, it's service, it's action. She is grateful to Jesus and shows her gratitude by serving him. And she imitates him, because after all, what does Jesus say in the gospel? I came not to be served, but to serve. And at the Last Supper, he puts a towel around his waist and he washes the feet of his apostles. And he says, what I do, you must also do. And so service is intrinsic to what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a disciple. Our first reading today has Job in gloom about having to serve. He's an unwilling servant. It doesn't seem to have any purpose for him. It's all in vain. And so life seems to be worthless and nothingness because he doesn't really see any meaning, any dignity to his work. Paul, on the other hand, in the second reading, sees great meaning. He's willing to work so much, he's willing even to die for his work because he sees that his work is in service to the Lord who first served him. There was a heresy back in the, I think it was the fifth, no, the 14th century, called quietism. Folks were saying, we don't need to do anything. We don't need to do good works. We just need to go to mass, say our prayers, and keep out of trouble. In other words, don't do anything bad. We don't have to really do anything good. We just have to avoid doing anything bad. But what does the confidior say? I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts, in my words, in what I have done, and in what I have failed to do. And so failing to do good is just as much of a sin as doing something wrong. The quietists didn't get that. They thought, just avoid anything wrong, and you're in like Flynn. No problems, but they didn't get the whole story. They only had half of it. Because what does Jesus say in that great parable of Judgment Day? People will come to him and say, we, you were our friends, we were your friends, we saw you in the street corners. But he asks them, when I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was thirsty, did you give me drink? When I was homeless, did you shelter me? When I was ill, did you visit me? Or in prison, did you visit me? And they'll say, when did we ever have that predicament that we saw you hungry, thirsty, homeless, ill, or in prison? And he says, whatever you did for the least of my brothers or sisters, you did for me. And whatever you didn't do for the least of my brothers and sisters, you didn't do for me. And so this woman who, <clears throat> excuse me, this woman who only appears once in the gospel is in a sense still the paradigm for the entire gospel. 
for what it means to be a Christian. A Christian gets up and serves. A Christian, having been healed of sin, having been healed of heartache, having been healed of whatever it is that ails you, gets up and serves. Christianity is not a spectator sport where we sit on the sidelines and watch other people do good things. We're called to be right there on the playing field. We are called to do good things ourselves. And so today, today, today let's thank God for the fact that he has healed us. We've been through troubled times and we've gotten through them. Not by ourselves, we've gotten through them with the grace of God. And let's pray that having been healed, we can be healers ourselves. We can reach out to those who are in need. Just as we were helped, let us be helpers. Because we are part of the mystical body of Christ, we are called to continue to do his great work here on earth. So I've got some homework for you. Look at the corporal works of mercy. That's part of the parable of Jesus on Judgment Day. What corporal work of mercy will you do this week? Will you feed the hungry? Will you give drink to the thirsty? Will you shelter the homeless? Will you visit somebody who is sick or in prison? Look at those corporal works of mercy and think of one thing that you can do this week that you haven't done before, because doing it will make you one step closer to the Lord and to heaven.